You are now listening to Lady Denim. Kick back and enjoy the ride. As we age, so do the times around us. Brilliant minds spawning new modern ideas, then birthing a new era right before our eyes. And within each era comes a package of newfangled fashion trends, cookie lingos, and modish lifestyles. In this bundle includes relationships. But some practices really aren't brand new, just repackaged as something different. The sugar daddy and sugar baby relationship is one that is frowned upon in today's society, as many confuse sugaring with prostitution. But ladies and gentlemen, the two are quite different from each other, as prostitution is a one-off transaction between a client and a sex worker while sugaring is more of a supportive relationship. In other words, sex is not the be-all and end-all of the union. Today, we're going to dive into the deep and sexy origins of the sugar daddy. The term sugar daddy came about in 1908 when Adolf Spreckles, second heir to the Spreckles sugar fortune, married a fine dime piece named Alma, who was 24 years his junior. She got in the habit of calling her darling husband her sugar daddy. The term, however, didn't catch on until much later. It became slang for a man who offers money or gifts to a younger woman for companionship. The snazzy term started to gain traction during the Roaring Twenties and became so popularized that by 1932, the creator of the candy, Sugar Daddy, <laughs> actually coined the term as originally it was called Papa Sucker. Honey, if you ask me, Robert Welch should have paid homage to the original Papa Sucker, Mrs. Alma. Lord knows she had Mr. Adolf seven minutes in heaven, sucking on that peachy cream lollipop. But I digress. <laughs> Here's a little fun fact about the term SD. The word sugar has been slang for money and luxury since the mid-19th century, and the word daddy was slack amongst prostitutes for an older man since the 16th century. It's a no-brainer the vivid Foxy Alma joined the two words in holy matrimony, but rumor has it the first recorded use was in 1923 in the Syracuse Herald in an episode called Fat Anna's Future. Ooh, le gasp. <laughs> Oh, but the nature of sugaring goes further back than the term itself, ladies and gentlemen. It was even considered a respected, yet not highly respected, profession for women. Let's get acquainted with the Dames de la Nuit, shall we? Courtesans have stained history with a delicate touch of femininity. They have existed in almost every culture and historical civilization. 
From ancient Roman Greece to Renaissance Europe and everything in between. Oh, don't get too excited, you dirty dog. I'm talking about ancient China, Japan, Korea, and India, of course. <laughs> anyway, they were effortlessly dominating in theaters, literature, and arts of the ancient world. And surprisingly, politics. Honey, being a courtesan was never only about sitting pretty and opening legs up like a damn pop-up book. <laughs> Again, these caliber of women were not prostitutes. Walking the glamorous corridors of emperors in high society during ancient Roman Greece were the women known as Hitarias. The Greek word Hitaria literally means companion. Very befitting for their roles, as the Hitarias were educated and skilled in the art of seduction and conversation, using their womanly wiles, wit, and beauty to capture the male gaze, while having a grip on their mind too. And those particular men were always wealthy, prominent figures. So in other words, no dusties over here, boys. A good Hitaria quickly met an excellent living, gaining economic independence. Some were also behind the success of famous men in history. In fact, it was rumored a Greek politician and general named Pericles during the Golden Age of Athens had a Hitaria named Aspasia who was the ghostwriter behind all of his speeches, including one of his most famous ones, the funeral oration. After all, darling, Miss Aspasia was a professional rhetorician with grace and charm. Honey, her tongue was so talented that Pericles divorced his wife and married her. If you didn't catch that, it definitely went over your head. In ancient China, the courtesans were called the Yuji, and they were skilled entertainers who dabbled in the arts such as poetry, music, and singing to please dignitaries and intellectuals alike. The Yuji were respected and renowned for their art and education. However, those who attached themselves to the powerful people were excluded from official history books. One such Yuji was named Du Chaoyang, and she managed to leave a mark in sugaring history. She was very well versed in music, dancing, and poetry. Du was so talented, she danced her way into the embrace of the emperor, Xian Song and became one of his most trusted concubines. Emperor Shinsong trusted her so much that Du assisted in handling his political affairs, resulting in his success as a ruler. And in return, Du had the experience of what it was like to have power working in the shadows. And she lived the fabulous lifestyle as the favorite concubine of the emperor. In Japan and Korea, there were counterparts of the Yuji, and they were called geishas and keixing. The major differences? Geishas had to be virgins despite the fabricated tales Americans have spun about them being high-class prostitutes. 
and the Kaixing held the lowest status of Qiumen. Geishas attended guests during meals, banquets, and other occasions, quite like the modern sugar babies of today, and they were paid handsomely for their company, let alone their presence. For that reason, they trained in various traditional Japanese arts, such as playing instruments like the shamishin, dancing as well as the art of conversation. Being a virgin played into the fantasies of men, into being allured by their sensual innocence. And because they were so highly valued, only a man of status and wealth would be given the right to take her virginity. And even so, that was a decision made by the geisha house. One famous geisha of all time is named Mineko Iwasaki. The Kesing were very articulate in the arts, especially poetry, mainly Sijo style. They were respected for their careers in the arts, despite being the lowest in Korean society. For this reason, they were sometimes spoken as possessing the body of the lower class, but the mind of the aristocrat. Wang Jae-ni was Korea's most famous Kesing. Many men of the lower and upper class alike traveled from all over just to see her perform. If a man wanted to speak to her, she would ask a riddle. If he answered correctly, she then would allow him to talk and interact with her. Talk about giving a dog a bone. <laughs> In India, courtesans were called divadasas women who used to sing and dance for the preceding deity of the temple. Devadasas were married to the deity, but the kings and courtiers were given the honor to witness their art of poetry, singing and dancing. They also had major influence over politics, impacting Indian history. These women were also rich beyond measure. Their form of seduction involved seductive glances and hip movement that would drive any man insane, falling down to their knees, bewitched, begging to do just about anything to get a taste of the Divine Feminine. Begum Hazrat Mahal, the second wife of Nawab Baji Ali Shah, hope I pronounced that right, started her early life as a Devadasi. Begum is known for the leading role in the rebellion against the British East India Company during the Indian Rebellion of 1857. Talk about girl power. In a society where marriages were often arranged for political or financial gain between powerful families, Courtesans were the it girl among Renaissance aristocrats and royalty during Renaissance Europe. Many of these women were the inspiration behind Renaissance paintings and were also fashion trendsetters. The courtesan was considered an ornament as well as a status symbol. She reflected the good taste and wealth of her patrons through intelligence beauty, manners, and sophistication, they gained a safer and more prestigious place in the court through the sponsorship of a high-ranking man. 
In some cases, a highly treasured courtesan was shared amongst a group of men, each whom reserved her company on a certain night of the week. And darling, if she kept up appearances, she would be lathered in gifts from money to even obtaining property. Ooh, dish, dish, dish. <laughs> Veronica Frankel was one of the most famous Renaissance courtesans of the 16th century. She was also a revered poet. She piled her trade in Venice, where the profession carried great prestige. She had such success by 20, and was a companion to King Henry III of France. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how was that for some steamy, sexy history? Sugar daddies always existed, ready to spend on a dime piece who was ready and willing to receive, using her stunning looks, womanly wiles, charm and intelligence to seduce any man. Of course, you have people who will never agree, but this type of relationship stems from the art of seduction, a lost skill in today's whacked out world. <laughs> Sugaring was literally a profession. And honey, I'm not mad at all that modern women are expecting a man's pockets to be thicker than the girth of his. <laughs> Okay, Mwah. that's all for today. And thank you for listening. Make sure to follow my Insta at the Lady of Denim Podcast underscore. Be sure to follow my main Insta and Twitter at a denim um. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook at the Lady of Denim Podcast. Besitos. Mwah. Until next time, darling.